How you guys doing? Good, man. I am. I am excited for. I'm excited for this morning. Um, this morning, I spent this week. Um, I've shared this with a couple different people. Just being in this place of like, um, what is God wanting me to talk about Sunday? Monday, nothing. Tuesday, nothing. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, yesterday, nothing. And I spent days trying to figure out, and finally I just stopped trying. And so this morning, I say this morning loosely, late last night, early this morning, I feel like God finally like settled. And this isn't necessarily where the desert wanderings is coming from, like, well, he just didn't know what he wanted to talk about. That's what it was. It's not that at all. Um, we're actually going to start... <laughs> A two-week thing, Desert Wanderings, this week and, and next week. Give me some space here. Thank you, Mike. Um, and uh, yeah. and uh, this week and next week, Desert Wanderings. And we're going to start off today in a chapter that I've actually never heard preached about in any church I've ever been in. And maybe there's a good reason for that, um, but we're going to start there. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to the book of Numbers. Real early there in the Bible, the book of Numbers we're going to be in Numbers chapter 33, and you're going to bear with me, and it may be overkill, but it's here in the Bible, and I want to actually read this chapter. I'm going to probably mispronounce a couple of names. Um, you can laugh with me on that. I'm not probably going to be able to get through all of it, but we're going to read chapter 33, and then we're going to talk about it and look at a few important things. So bear, y'all ready to bear with me this morning? Because I don't necessarily want to read it all myself either, but... It's going to prove a point. It's going to prove a point, and it's going to like, if, if it's the dead horse, we're going to kill it, we're going to bury it, we're going to raise it from the dead again, we're going to kill it again, and then we're going to bury it again. It's going to be that much of a, okay, we get the point. So, Numbers 33, here we go. These are the stages of the people of Israel when they went out of the land of Egypt by their companies under the leadership of Moses and Aaron. Moses wrote down their starting places stage by stage by command of the Lord, and these are their stages according to their starting places. Here we go. They set out from Ramses in the first month, on the 15th day of the first month. On the day after the Passover, the people of Israel went out triumphantly in the sight of all the Egyptians, while the Egyptians were burying all their firstborn, from whom the Lord had struck down among them. Remember the 12 plagues and all that kind of stuff? Israelites coming out of Egypt on their gods. Also, the Lord executed judgments. So the people of Israel set out from Ramesses and camped at Succoth. And they set out from Succoth. See, already, there we go. There's the mess up. And they set out from Succoth and camped at Etham, which is on the edge of the wilderness. And they set out from Etham and turned back to Pi-Hahirath, which is east of Baal-Zephon. And they camped before Migdal. And they set out before Hahiroth and passed through the midst of the sea into the wilderness. And they went a three days' journey in the wilderness of Ethan and camped at Merah. And they set out from Merah and came to Elam. And the Elam, they were twelve springs of water and seventy palm trees. <laughs> Lovely details, right? And they camped there. And they set out from Elam and they camped at the Red Sea. And they set out from the Red Sea and they camped at the wilderness of Sin. I don't think I'd want to stay there. And they set out from the wilderness of Sin and they camped at Dafka. And they set out from Dafka and camped at Elush. And they set out from Elush and camped at Rephidim, where there was no water for the people to drink. And they set out from Rephidim and camped in the wilderness of Sinai. And they set out from the wilderness of Sinai and camped at Kibroth Hatava. And they set out from Kibroth Hatava and camped at Hezeroth. And if you're looking for names for your kids, this is a great passage to pull from. <laughs> and they set out from Hazeroth and camped at Rithma. And they set out from Rithma and camped at Rimon Perez. And they set out from Rimon Perez and camped at Libna. And they camped, set out from Libna and camped at Rissa. And they set out from Rissa and camped at Kel. Kel this has messed me up all night. Kelatha. 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 
let's, let's, okay, just, <laughs> just cough. <clears throat> and they set out from Kehelatha and camped at Mount Shefer. And they set out from Mount Shefer and camped at Herida. And they set out from Herida and they camped at Makaloth. We're getting the point, right? And they set out from Makaloth and camped at Tehath. And they set out from Tehath and they camped at Terah. And they set out from Terah and they camped at Mithka. And they set out from Mithka and they camped at Hashmanah. And they set out from Hashmanah and camped at Maseroth. And they set out from Maseroth and they camped at Benajakin. And they set out from Benajakin and camped at Horgadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadad
Number one, when you walk with God, you do not go from first departure to final destination overnight. That's why we read all of that. There's a lot of moves in there, aren't there? Like, why are we talking about this? Move to move to move to move to move to move in words I can't pronounce. When you are walking with God, you do not go from first departure to final destination immediately. We live in a fast food, I want it now society. We, want to, we have a culture that be like, I want instant gratification. And there's this, there's this rolling theme throughout the Bible. And you know what it is? It's not instant gratification. It's not fast food mentality. It's time. Lots and lots of waiting. Forty years. Forty years. I'm looking at half of you aren't even forty. I can stare in the mirror. Forty years, the Israelites just spent wandering in the desert. Not fun. Forty days. It's a long time to be on a boat when the entire earth is flooded, right? Well, what are we going to do? I don't know, start with the llamas. Let's eat them, right? Forty days, can we make it longer? 186. 186. Anyone want to know what those numbers mean? We're in the book of Numbers. 100 was the age of Abram. Abraham, when he gave, he didn't give birth, that would be awkward, when his wife, Sarah, who was 86 years old, gave birth to their son Isaac. 86. Do we have any 86-year-old first-time moms in here? Yeah, I don't think so. Kind of awkward. Long time, long time waiting, right? What about the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years between the prophecies foretelling the Messiah and Jesus actually coming? Hundreds of years. Not 40, not 40 days. Hundreds, hundreds of years. There's this theme that's just woven through the fabric of our, of our Bible that, that shows us that time obviously doesn't matter to God, but time for us means a good journey. It's not instant. We're not going to go from first departure to final destination overnight with God. It's not going to happen. Second thing, when you make enough moves with God, the enemy knows you're coming. We read that in verse 40, right? I said, remember that. And the Canaanite, the king of Arad, who lived in the Negev, in the land of Canaan, heard of the coming of the people of Israel. And we come up for air like, <gasps> in, the middle, in the middle of all these different names, and names, and names, and names, and names, and look at it, one little verse that tells us a whole lot if we pay attention. You see, when we are making enough moves with God, move to move, and moving with God, and moving with God, and not ahead of God, and not dragging behind God, but with God, when we make enough moves with God, the enemy knows we're coming. Scared. And you know what that means? Bigger walls and taller giants. Bigger walls and taller giants. I won't give it away, that's next week. Bigger walls and taller giants. Because he hears you coming. So, when we're preparing ourselves, move to move to move, and we're, through, we're trying to stay with God, say, okay, God, I, I get it. It might take a little bit of time. Might I get there immediately? I need to hear that a few different thousand times to remind myself I'm not going to get it immediately. So maybe I get that, and we're, I'm trying to stay with God, move with God. God, what do you want me to do? Go there. Okay, go there. I'll try to stay here. We make enough moves like that with God. The enemy, our enemy, your enemy, knows we are coming. And it's not going to be as easy. The battles are going to be tougher, right? You ever wonder, like, well, man, I, I wish I could go back to the life I had before. Sometimes knowing Jesus is harder than not knowing Him. 
We get into that little rut. We wander in these deserts of our faith, hoping for some spiritual water to come out of some miraculous rock. Like Moses, like, what's going to happen next? Like, I can't take anymore. Maybe, maybe I should have just stayed in my Egypt. Because that's what the Israelites said. Maybe I just should have stayed back there because, you know what? I could have died a slave, but man, this desert's ridiculous. Oh, that we could go back to my Egypt. The enemy gets us thinking that. Because he knows what's in store for us at the promised land. But we quit. We come to this Christian complacency of, oh, I'm good enough. Imagine what this, this Bible would read like if after verse 40, and they set off from Mount Hor and camped at Zalmanah, and they stopped. How different could things be? They hadn't made move after move after move walking with God. How different can your story be if you take that next step? Or are you at a Zalmana and you're like, I'm good enough. Let's just camp here. Flag. This is mine. This is my zone of spiritual comfortability. I go to church once a week. This is my zone of of life comfortability. I I talk about that one friend who I know already knows Jesus in the cubicle next to me at work. This is my zone of of comfortability in my school. I play baseball and the other kids know I go to church, but I don't invite them to church. This is my zone of comfortability. You fill in the blank, man. Fill in the blank. This is where I'm comfortable. Let's just camp here. Flag. Number three. We all receive an inheritance. We all, not just some of us, we all, not just us in here and those out there, not those out there, no, 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 all of us. We all receive an inheritance. Now, to some it's a lot, and to some it's a little, and for some it's an eternity of separation from God. All of us receive some type of inheritance. Y'all with me? Turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look at two verses. They're going to call this out for us. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, 19 through 20. Well, just a few verses here. These are the words of Jesus. Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Just remind us of the treasure of an inheritance that is promised and is waiting for us someday. Book of Ephesians. A little farther back. Book of Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Just after Galatians. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 11 through 17. Paul writes this. In Him, and obviously Christ Jesus, in Him we have obtained, an, uh, if you're following along, a what? An inheritance. Having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed in Him, were sealed... With the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our, there it is again, inheritance until we acquire possession of it. We don't have it yet. To the praise of His glory. You and I all receive some type of inheritance. I'm going to be talking about that in just a minute. When I was little, 
I was little at one point in time. When I was little, I played soccer. Anyone, anyone else play soccer in here? I, I played soccer, and my parents thought it was good for me to get out there and kind of run out my injury with other little kids on the field. And so I was running around, and I played the, the position called um, defender. I guess later they called that to change the, you may, may have heard it, sweeper. I liked defender because sweeping was something I didn't like to do at home for my chores. So I liked defender. I was defender. I was one of the two little dudes. I mean little dudes, who stood in front of a goal. I think, I think I got a picture up in here of little guy. Aww. Oh, he has hair. Yeah, there's, there's little itty-bitty Josh. I was probably, oh, maybe I was six. Um, I know, right? It is in color. We had to, we had to get that uh, um, edited for, for color. Didn't, didn't come out that way. Yeah, so there's little Josh playing soccer. Um, I don't remember too much from back then other than running around. I remember one really bad time. Um, a ball hit me in a very special place, and that was the first time, that was the first time I remember, um, like, oh, um, some type of pain there. So I was, uh, yeah, I enjoyed soccer. And there's, you know, there's some things I enjoyed about soccer. And the things that I remember about playing soccer was not necessarily playing soccer. It was, it was getting to eat the things at the, after the games that my parents weren't letting me eat at home. And they had these things with like these gorgeously tasting little juice boxes that like I had water and the other milk and stuff at home. But this was like high sea fruit punch with high fructose corn syrup. Just give me sugar, calories, and, and oatmeal cream pies. Oh my gosh. I, didn't, I thought you could only get those at soccer games. I, I didn't know you could buy those in the store till later. And my wife will tell you I have a problem um, often with little oatmeal cream pies. Because I thought that's where you got them. Well, you won the game, you get an oatmeal cream pie. And if you lost the game, you, you get an oatmeal cream pie. So either way, but there was one thing. There was one thing that even has changed since when I was growing up playing soccer in this picture to when people are growing up now. You see, when we won a game, we won. And when we lost a game, we lost. There was no trophy to lose. <laughs> yeah, there are some young people out here who might be looking at me like, what? It's like, what? No, no trophy? There's not a little blue badge? And I participated. No, there's, there, there, there was no trophy. There was no participation trophy if we lost. And I have the, the little things at home that remind me of that. Because it was a little, the soccer dude was like this. It was like a, maybe, yeah, it was like this, and this little gold dude sitting here, and I have the trophies at home in my parents' house. Man, I can remember, because the, the ones that we didn't have a good season, is just the dude by himself on a block of marble that was left over from somebody's kitchen, and it was just sitting there, little dude. Good seasons, it gets taller, right? Oh, okay, so, all right, there, there, was, there was no good trophy, no good trophy for losing games. You see, there is no participation trophy with God. When we're talking about an inheritance, well, what do I get? What's in it for me at the end of this Christian faith journey, right? There is no participation trophy with God. You either win with Him or you lose forever. Forever, ever. There is, there's no in-between. We don't just get by with Jesus. The book of James reminds us of that. 
just one verse, so you don't have to turn there, but James 1.12, I've got it underlined, you might want to do the same. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Sounds like an inheritance, doesn't it? You're right, it is. Let me read that again. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. Does it say blessed is the man who wins? No. Does it say blessed is the man who loses? No. Winning and losing in this life don't matter. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, an inheritance which God has promised, just like a land to the Israelites, to those who love him. Here's where we're going to start wrapping up out of this long, crazy chapter from Numbers. Here's the reality. Just like the Israelites, true life church, you and I, true life church is on the move. True life church is on the move. We are not staying put. Not, I'm not talking locations. Buildings, man, blow this away. We'll meet a, we can park pavilion. We'll meet my house. It'll be fun. You can meet my two dogs. And yes, he will go crazy. True life church, you and I, we are on the move. And our story might read a little bit, a bit, a bit like numbers. January 24th, 1966, Sherwood Park Baptist Church set out to the destination of Post Road. Yeah, that's us. Wait, what? That church? Yeah, yeah, that's us. January 24th, 1966. January 13th, 2005. Sherwood Park Baptist Church changed their name to New Hope Church. Stayed in the same location. August 25th, 2011. The name changed again to East Coast Church. Sometime in November of 2013, that church, the property was sold. True, True Life Church, us. Now, not necessarily us then, moved, right? Went portable, 192. And we'd write that down in our little book of numbers, down to 192. was portable. Then we moved up to Quest Elementary School in Vieira. And the name changed again, right? All the stuff that, or a lot of the stuff that even you and I and not even about a handful of people were even here for. December 22nd, 2014, Christ Fellowship Vieira, the name was changed. Between that day and between, that would be July 5th, 2015, a lot changed. If you were here for that, a lot changed. But on July 5th, we moved in here. And on July 15th of 2015, our name officially and finally became True Life Church. But True Life Church as a name is not our destination. We have to be on the move. And again, I'm not talking location, so what the heck am I talking about? You see, our journey, personal, and our church, you and mine, both individually and collectively here, our journey is not going to happen overnight, just like the Israelites in Numbers. And you, we can look back, it's very easy for us to look back over the, maybe the two months you've been here, or the two years you've been here, or the ten years you've been here, and you can look back and be like, oh, I can see, I can see progress. But the progress comes from these little itty-bitty day-to-day moves. Those little names in your past that you don't even want to pronounce matter. Because you have to move on from them. 
to pursue God and the inheritance He has for you and for me. Our journey is not going to happen overnight. But guess what? You and I in this church collectively, we do have an inheritance. Y'all believe that? I do. And this is not some kind of prosperity gospel. This is not some name it and claim it Osteenism. This is not one of those things where you can just be like, okay, I name it, claim it, boom, it's mine. No. This is a reminder of the gravity, the weight of these day-to-day little itty-bitty shifts that we try to make and moves we try to make for God. Every single one of them matters. That's why they wrote every single one of them down. Because see, and the Israelites left Egypt and went to the promised land. Not only is that boring, where's the faith step in that? Boop, 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 instant, done. Itty bitty moves for you and for me. Some of us are in this Christian complacency place of, of, of I'm good where I am, like we talked about earlier. I, I do enough for God, I, I pray enough, I think, I'm trying to teach my kids what you know, the, the Bible is and, and who Jesus is. I'm, I'm just good. I don't need to move anywhere. This moving is for everybody else. It's not just for everybody else. When we make little moves, daily moves, progressive moves toward pursuing God, with God, for God, get closer and closer to the inheritance He has for us. What would our kingdom look like, yours and mine individually, and also us collectively as a church? What would our kingdom look like if every single one of us this week made a move for God? said, I'm, I'm done being in wherever that place was. I'm done lying like I did last week, and I know I shouldn't have done that. I'm done with that addiction that I had a real problem with this past week, and it flared up again. I'm done with that. I'm going to move on in my life from the place where I've been because God wants me to go to someplace better. What would your and my life look like if every single one of us in this room made a move? We're a tribe, y'all, and we got a destination. And just like a dad driving the car, like, when are we going to get there? You'll know when we get there. I want to get there. You'll know when we get there. But I want to get there. Like that little kid in the picture, right? Playing soccer. Just annoying little voice, Josh, right? We want to get there. God, where is it? Just let me see the end. Let me see where I need to be. He's like, well, you know the end. We all die. But enjoy the journey to get there. Don't fast food, God. We all have an inheritance. And if just like the Israelites, if we want our inheritance to the fullest, because remember the larger tribes got a larger inheritance, and the smaller tribe got a smaller inheritance, let's think of us as a tribe. And we drive around and we look at these, these churches that might be 500 people, 1,000 people, doesn't matter. Larger tribe, smaller tribe, doesn't mean we don't get an inheritance. We're growing, our tribe is growing. And if we want an inheritance to the fullest in the land that God has promised to you and me, we have to kick the enemy out. Turn with me to the book of Galatians. It's going to be our final scripture from this morning. Book of Galatians. You may have heard of the fruits of spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Oh, I love the fruits of the spirit. We teach our kids the fruits of the spirit. We eat a strawberry and then a pear and an apple and, and a banana and all that fun stuff. Fruits, fruits of the spirit. It's not what Paul's talking about, but anyway. There's a part before the fruits of the spirit that we don't like to talk about as much. That's where we're going to start. He writes, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, 
They're at war with each other. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Does that mean I can speed and not get a ticket? No, that's not the law he's talking about. It means the rules that formerly applied to those who did not know God and who know God no longer apply to you. When you are with the Spirit, you move with God. When you are led by the Spirit. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Here's this list we need to talk about. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, which means just I'd just be that hostile person. You're that person, that grumpy Gus, that everybody knows I'll stay away from this person. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like this. I warn you, as I warned before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Does that sound familiar? Does this sound familiar at all? It is. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. In other words, no enemy can bring you down when you are moving with God with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against those things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Just like the Israelites, right? Not ahead, not behind, with. Keep in step with the Spirit. Not becoming conceited, provoking one another, or envying one another. You see, if you want that promised land for you to the fullest, if you want that inheritance that God has for you, if you want that, that thing that, that you can only imagine what life could be like if you dropped such and such, or if you stopped such and such, or if, or if God could give you the strength to quit such and such, do that thing, quit that thing, stop that thing, because He will give you the strength and the ability to make a move, to take a step with the Holy Spirit in a direction towards those things. If you can only imagine what that looks like, Good. If you want that inheritance, that promised land for you to look different, to be better, you've got to kick that enemy out. And there's not a single one of us in here or out there that can read that list down we just read in Galatians and doesn't have something to move away from, right? Call it something. Call it this, call it that, call it all that list we read down. Each one of us has a move to make away from those things. And when we make that move together, when our tribe moves together, when we're in step with God together, moving, imagine, imagine what your and my inheritance could look like. It's not about give me more. It's not about us. But imagine more people who could come know the God who actually promises lands, who gives inheritances. And who guarantees eternal life. I want that inheritance. Let this life come and go. I want my treasure in heaven. And I want to see you there. You've got to kick your enemy out. I've got to kick my enemy out. You've got to kick your enemy out. You've got to kick your enemy out. We have to kick that enemy out if we want any type of future for us. Y'all with me? If we want a future together, we have to individually become an army of God, right? and kick the enemy out. Because if we leave just a little bit, 
we've got a lot of problems. If we only look at pornography once a week instead of five, you've got a lot of problems. If you only get drunk once a month instead of twice, you've got a lot of problems. If you're only lying five times a week instead of three, you've got a problem. Read that list down. There's, there's areas that every single one of us can move away from that spot and move to another spot and move to another spot to get closer to God. That's our journey. See, some of us today, I think myself including this, has shifted my brain as well. We get to this place of Christian pacifism, right? Well, what did Jesus say? What did Jesus do? And we water Jesus down like he was just this in half interior decorator guy walking around and like, be healed. You know, and he wasn't really that bad of a guy. Well, he uh, overturning the tables in the temple, that was just kind of a one or two things. You know, no, no, no. Jesus, because he is part of God, can also have a righteous anger and a godly justice. We don't like to talk about that. We like, oh, pacifism, just let everything live, all roads lead to heaven. Not true. Don't be angry at anybody else. Don't do this. Don't do that. Now, Ecclesiastes reminds us that there's a time and a season for everything. For everything. There's a time to be righteously angry. And there's a time for peace. We have to talk about that pacifism today because you know what today is? Today is the day that you and I as a tribe, together, we go to war. We go to war. We're getting ready to go into this promised land. I don't know what that looks like, but it's better than where we've been, right? Because we're moving on to a new place together. And in the world we're about to enter, in your life and in mine, there are going to be bigger walls and taller giants. Our enemy is going to build up because he's heard we're coming. Because we're making steps toward God. And he's shaking in his boots because he knows what that means. When we make moves toward God, away from that towards a promised land, God, he, God, He's got a plan for us. Do you believe that? I believe that. He's got a plan for you and for you and for you and for you and for me. He's got a plan for us together. And today is the day. A day which will live in, and for me from December 7, 1941. Y'all, you've been attacked. I don't know if you realize this. You've been attacked this week. Devil done give you a Pearl Harbor. Some of us are okay with it. Today's the day we go to war. Because the Israelites finishing up this, this chapter we've read, move to move to move, and yeah, I get it, it's boring, right? That, that's last, one of those last cities we knew was called what? Do you remember? Jericho. Jericho. Very important. Very important. We're getting ready to go into this promised land. You're getting ready to move toward God. And you've got an enemy who's building his walls and putting up taller giants. And it's going to be a tough battle you and I are about to go into. No time for pacifism. Today is the day you and I go to war against the enemy. The enemy of addiction. The enemy of slander. The enemy of, of, of anger. The enemy of, of all those things that aren't the fruits of the Spirit. That aren't of God. So wage war. I need you to think about, as we close up, what is the thing... You need to go to war against this week. What do you need to pull out that sword of the Spirit? That's why in Ephesians, they talk about the armor of God. It's not the lazy boy of God. 
It's not the Betty Crocker cookbook of God. It's the armor of God. Put it on. Sword of the Spirit, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, belt of truth. Sailed with quickie speed. Be ready to move. Put on the armor. What are you going to go to war against in your life for God this week? What are you going to move away from so that we can move towards something together? Because it all comes down to one man's sin. If we want to be as a group, and we're not going to get into that, but you can read the, the, the book of Joshua, and there's a guy named Achan. This guy named Achan messed up everything after Jericho because it all came down to just one dude and one dude's family took treasures that he wasn't supposed to take. He wanted his, his inheritance now, not later. Caused everybody to lose. We're going to be the army of God. We've got to be ready to go to war this week. I want to call it out on you. I want the person next to you to call it out on you. The person you know, your friend, your family, your mom, your brother, your sister, your wife. Call it out. What are you going to go to war against this week? Think about it. I'm, seriously. Take 15 seconds. What are you going to go to war against this week? For God. Move away from where you've been. Take one step closer to where He wants you to be. Put on the armor of God. Because we're getting ready to go into a land with bigger walls and taller giants. And the enemy knows we're coming. And he is scared. And that makes me smile. Let's pray.